You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome to another episode, my beautiful friends. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. This is my podcast. Today's episode is a subject that I really can't believe I have not covered until today. And that is the incredible edible egg. Or at least that's what a lot of people think because of advertising and marketing and that slogan that was going around for years was on the cover of magazines. I remember it, the incredible edible egg. They had commercials for it and it will forever be solidified in my mind. And I'm sure plenty of other people's minds as well. Eggs are synonymous with the all-American breakfast. You see it in movies, commercials. Everybody thinks that that's what you do for breakfast. You eat eggs, whether they're scrambled or boiled. They just go hand in hand with the American breakfast, along with some of the other not-so-good options there, which are bacon and highly processed breads with lots of butter on top. So this whole idea of, you know, breakfast being the most important meal of the day is quite sad because people are often setting themselves up for disaster right when they wake up. You know, they're breaking their fast by eating a lot of really unhealthy foods. And I will preface this entire episode by saying that I was no different than that and thinking that way. I used to love eggs. Let me tell you, loved them. I loved them. Scrambled eggs, I loved them. That was really the only way I would eat them. All the other ways kind of freaked me out. But it was also the only thing that I could cook as a teenager and like really well was to scramble some eggs. I knew how like the perfect temperature. I also put a lot of cheese on it, let me tell you. And no wonder they were good with tons of cheese. But it was the one thing that I could cook And it sounds really crazy to me now, of course, but um, so anyone who is questioning, well, Rebecca, what the heck am I going to eat for breakfast? I have you covered. We're going to address that at the very end and we can talk about all other really great options, (laughs) but but we're going to start with the science and looking at the manipulation and blatant lies from the industry itself and how they often will cherry pick studies or manipulate the studies to have some type of have the outcome they want and also they fund the studies themselves so a little bit of conflict of interest there but this is nothing new we see this with all things pharmaceuticals food animal ag you name it the studies are manipulated they're funded by the industries themselves obviously there is a biased with the results and they're often exaggerated and spun and then the news channels take it and run with it and it can be really overwhelming. Like I said, that's nothing new. You might probably already know that that happens and this technique is sadly very, very effective because many people will just throw their hands up in exhaustion Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I see all these different conflicting news. Like, this person says this. This news channel says that. My niece tells me I should do this thing. And they just are overwhelmed. So they just do whatever they want at that that point. At that point, 
they're just going to go by their taste buds. You know, they're not going to go by what will actually bring them to a place of true wellness and health. So let's get started and crack this egg wide open. (laughs) I had to add some little pun in there. Maybe I'll add another one. This podcast episode is going to be egg-tastic. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. But eggs are really easy to use puns. Okay, so the first thing we're going to chat about is pretty basic, and that is that eggs are mucus-forming. What does that mean? So not all mucus is bad. We have a mucosal lining in our intestines, which is a good thing. But there are certain foods that can create an overproduction of mucus. And eggs happen to be one of those, along with milk, yogurt, tomatoes can often do that, fried food, sweets, cheese. They create an overproduction of mucus. If someone has a respiratory issue or a cough or some type of sinus issue, the last thing they should do is consume any of those foods, eggs, cheese, milk, you know, any type of dairy product. Um, Those should be avoided because it's just going to create more mucus in the body. So that's a pretty basic one. The next thing that we're going to talk about pertaining to eggs is eggs and the gut bacteria. So I'm sure you know that the microbiome is the new frontier of health and science, and there's more and more research coming out and being done on the gut health, gut bacteria and how certain foods interact with that bacteria. And eggs in particular have been studied quite a bit recently. And one of the things that they have been studying is about the choline in eggs. Eggs can say, contain a considerable amount of choline, which certain bad bacteria in the gut turn into toxic TMAO or trimethylamine in oxide. This is similar to carnitine in red meat. So choline is found in a number of places. Meat has 13.1% choline. And then just right under that is eggs at 10.4%. Chicken is around 9.9%. And then milk is the next thing. So choline is turned into this trimethylamine, which then is formed into nitrosamines that have marked carcinogenic activity. Choline itself is an essential nutrient that is found pretty much everywhere. It's in all plant matter. It's in all animals. But getting it from plant source is much healthier and does not create that toxic TMAO. Of course, I'm sure they will be doing much more studies on this. So I will keep you in the loop if something else comes out about the TMAO in eggs. Next up is cholesterol. Probably not surprised by this one. This has been a hot topic for years and years and years. First off, let's talk about what cholesterol is. Cholesterol is a sterol, probably one of the best known sterols, which is in the category of lipids. It is the precursor of bile acids and the sex hormones. So we manufacture it in our body, primarily in our liver, and all animals produce cholesterol. Plants do not at all. But since our bodies produce cholesterol, we do not need to get it from outside sources. There's also been some confusion around HDL and LDL. 
There was one study showing that eggs increased plasma HDL, which is considered to be the, quote, good cholesterol, in overweight men consuming a carb-restricted diet. Yet one of the scientists in this study was literally funded by the Egg Nutrition Center. A little bit of conflict of interest there. His name was M.L. Fernandez, and he shows up on several studies that had conclusions in the favor of eggs. Yeah, Fernandez is there several times in several of these studies. A lone study that was done, which was not funded by the egg industry, did show that eggs raise LDL way more than HDL, and the LDL outweighs the good. Quote, This suggests that the favorable rise in HDL cholesterol with increased cholesterol intake fails to compensate for the adverse rise in total NLDL cholesterol concentrations, and therefore that increased intake of dietary cholesterol may raise the risk of coronary heart disease. Eggs were also shown to oxidize LDL, quote, a phenomenon which was shown to enhance the progression of atherosclerosis. The oxidation damages the lining of our arteries. So the egg industry, of course, had to try to do some damage control and funded a study, literally done by the egg board, claiming that eggs increased, quote, fluffy LDL and not the dense, smaller LDL, which again, they claim isn't bad. The conflict of interest was more hidden this time, and it was in very small, tiny font in the footnotes of the study, which said, quote, supported by the American Egg Board slash Egg Nutrition Center. But of course, another study was done showing that no, fluffy LDL is not some fluffy unicorn, that it showed larger LDL increased cardiovascular disease by 44%, while the smaller increased it by 63 So not a huge difference there. Another study showed, indeed, despite the size, LDL particles are atherogenic. Doesn't matter what size. They are going to cause atherosclerosis. It is pretty conclusive at this point. The findings show that a diet low in cholesterol may not only prevent cardiovascular disease, but also decrease your risk of cancer. Excessive cholesterol can instigate the rapid growth of cancer cells. And these studies have been done for decades, dating back to going as far back as the 70s. They were researching this. Dozens were done in the 80s. And the studies suggest that egg consumption is involved in the promotion stage of cancer. A 2015 study found that women with the highest TMAO, going back to that TMAO, in their blood had 3.5 times greater risk of rectal cancer. Uh, Dietary cholesterol may also contribute to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease as well as cirrhosis and liver cancer. Also, prostate cancer. Men that eat one egg a day had double the risk of prostate cancer progression. The only thing worse was poultry consumption, which upped it to four times the risk of progression with high-risk men. And what they believe is that it's the heterocyclic amines that build up more in turkey and chicken muscle than any other meats. But back to the eggs, there is a connection with ovarian cancer, breast cancer, 
Uh, just a few eggs a week increases colorectal cancer by 19%, and they're thinking maybe even as high as 71%. A fried egg is connected to bladder cancer. So basically all cancers are linked to eating eggs, and even a couple times a week is going to have a negative effect on your health long-term. Honestly, I think that if you were eating one or two a month, you know, it's obviously still going to increase your chances to some percentage, but the sad thing is most people are not doing that. They're eating them weekly, uh, every other day. Some people are even eating them even every day, thinking that that is a healthy and nutritious choice. And <laughs> this is the crazy thing, right? The egg industry itself legally cannot even call themselves nutritious or healthy. Yeah by the US government. This is the crazy thing that I recently found out. Apparently, through the Freedom of Information Act documents that were revealed, the USDA has warned the egg industry that saying eggs are, quote, nutritious or, quote, safe, may violate rules against false and misleading advertising. That's why they legally can't say that anymore. Because of what I've just said, there's enough evidence showing that they're not healthy because of their cholesterol and saturated fat, which we haven't addressed that yet. But the documents show that this went on and on, back and forth, these emails between the egg board and the United States government. Advertisers were highlighting that they can't say the words healthy or nutritious. For something to be deemed healthy under the FDA guidelines, the food has to be low in saturated fats. Eggs are not that at all. Even half an egg fails that test as far as saturated fat goes. So literally, you would have to eat less than half an egg, which nobody's doing, right? You would have to eat like a teeny tiny little portion for it to actually pass that test. Most people are eating one or two eggs. The egg industry can't say that it's safe because 100,000 or more Americans are poisoned every year by salmonella from eggs. Now we're going to get into the moral side of eggs and the industry itself. Eggs are pretty atrocious. First off, I'll say, ladies, can you imagine ovulating or having a period every day or two? Pretty Sounds pretty exhausting and painful, right? Well, that's what happens to today's chickens, and that's not natural. It's not natural at all. They were not created that way. We created them that way. The chicken today was selectively bred over thousands of years, but from the wild jungle fowl, chickens today now have 250 eggs a year, while their ancestors had between 10 to 15 a year. Just think about that for a second. They were supposed to have 10 to 15, which would be natural. That was That's even similar to a human cycle, right? But now they have one almost every day or every other day. Like all birds, they're supposed to lay eggs only during breeding season and only for the purpose of reproducing. This unnaturally high rate of egg laying results in frequent disease and mortality with chickens today. They get all types of reproductive diseases, vent prolapse, cystic ovaries, swollen abdomen, you name it. They have all kinds of issues. And like, think about it. When we think about other birds, like robins, like a wild robin, they lay between two to four eggs two times a year. But we selectively breed, obviously, all types of animals for, quote, commercial use and as commercial commodities. 
ostriches are done the same way, ducks, and we see it all across the board with animal agriculture and selectively breeding them to produce certain types of flesh or milk, you know, producing more milk and all these kind of things. Ah, it's very exhausting <laughs> to think about, right? And you also might think that, okay, well, eggs are fine. Like whatever, that's that's the case. They are having all these eggs. There's no problem with taking their eggs from them, right? Because the chickens aren't harmed. That's what people think in their mind. So 300 million chickens are used each year for their eggs. They are filed five to 10 birds in a cage the size of a file cabinet for their very short, painful lives that only last around two years. If they were allowed to live out naturally, they would live between 8 to 12 years. But once they start becoming less effective and their bodies are so exhausted, their egg production drops, they're sent to slaughter. Sounds familiar, huh? Like We see this with the milk industry. You see, females are the most mistreated in animal agriculture, obviously. None of this would be possible without the ladies. And this is why it's impossible, I believe, to truly be a feminist, but be okay with what happens to our feathered and furry female friends. So once they're sent to slaughter, about 30% of the chickens are suffering broken bones from neglect, osteoporosis, and of course, mistreatment. And the flesh is so damaged, most of these chickens are not even used for human consumption, but for pet food. Or they're also used for the National School Lunch Program meat. Doesn't that sound appetizing? Hens in the egg industry have their beaks burned off with a hot blade once they have hatched. They don't use any painkillers. No, nothing. Nothing like that. And there are more nerve endings in their beaks than we have in our fingertips. Many of them die from just the sheer shock immediately. The pain shock. But why do they do this in the first place? Well, the hens are crammed so tightly in those little teeny cages that they don't want them to peck each other to death. But what about the boys who were born? Because you don't really need them, right? Six billion male chicks are destroyed every year because they don't lay eggs. So therefore, they are deemed useless by the industry and they're not, these birds are not bred uh, for meat, as I said, except for pet food. So they're either suffocated to death or they grind them up alive in these large industrial macerators. Yeah, that uh, sounds pretty messed up, doesn't it? It is a really, really crazy industry. Again, females are really come out worst in this situation. Of course, it doesn't sound nice to be ground up alive either, but the hens live a longer, you know, life in agony and torture. They also, in their little sheds that they live in, in those tiny cages, the light is constantly manipulated to maximize egg production. So for two weeks at a time, they are fed a reduced calorie feed, which this process induces an extra laying cycle. Again, females just being exploited for their reproductive system, and it's just really sad. Some people will think that, oh, well, you know, I have backyard chickens, and they're loved, and they're healthy, and that kind of thing. Well, there's a couple issues with this, right? Most of those backyard chickens come from 
these establishments, as I've mentioned. So it's, it's still essentially supporting that industry. And the other thing is that they still have their cycle that is unnatural and has been manipulated to be unnatural and is potentially uh, hazardous to their health. So there is a procedure that you can have done for your chickens and basically get them fixed, just like you would a companion animal, a cat or a dog. It will help them live longer and potentially be disease-free and reduces their risk, obviously, of getting all of those reproductive um, issues and the cyst and uh, that would be the thing. You know, if you love chickens, then I would encourage you to do that. If you wanted to have some chickens in your backyard, certainly I don't think you should be eating the eggs anyways, <laughs> right? So, um, and and even, you know, some people are like, oh, well, I'll just give them away. Well, then you're giving them away for somebody else to have a heart attack. <laughs> it's like this weird conundrum, right? So try to get your chickens fixed if, you, if you're going to get backyard chickens and... As far as where to get them from, if you can get them from a nicer, a quote, nicer place, I'm not really sure about that. I'm sure there's some really great blog posts from vegans who have chickens or some sanctuaries or, you know, and adopt, you know, would be the best from chickens that are be uh, about to be slaughtered. I mean, there are obviously some nice people or I guess I'd call them nice, that, you know, will offer the chickens to a sanctuary and whatnot. And sometimes sanctuaries have so many that they, you know, will accept uh, adoptions and whatnot. But that is the gist of of that. Um, as you can tell, uh, eggs are not something that should be on our plate, certainly not regularly. But as I said at the beginning, what do you eat? I get that. I totally get it. And heck, I get it because I just recently went somewhere that literally 99% of everything on the menu was egg-based. Egg, 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 egg. Everything was egg. I don't even know what I got, honestly. I think I was just so overwhelmed by all the egg things (laughs) and by the lack of options. And, you know, this is kind of the issue with all of us, if you're trying to to eat healthier and eat more plant-based, it's eating out. And this is the the complaint that most people have is, well, I eat out and I don't, I don't know what to choose. Well, this is why you have to plan ahead, you know. Um, but so what do you eat in replacement of eggs? Well, the most uh, comparable, I think, thing as far as texture goes would be tofu. To do a tofu scramble, there's all kinds of recipes out there for tofu scrambles. You could saute them with potatoes, sweet potato, spinach. And if you would like to add kind of that eggy, sulfury flavor, you can add some black salt. You can find this online. You can find it in on uh, at Indian markets. But let me tell you, a little bit goes a long way. And it definitely has that sulfury taste and that sulfury smell in a good way, of course. Uh, I use that when I make tofu quiches. Um, that is also a really great thing to to eat in replacement of eggs is make a quiche. And you can use tofu. I also use chickpea, garbanzo flour. Um, again, you can find all kinds of great recipes for that online. Um, and then, you know, there are the processed egg uh, companies that have come out. It's called Just Egg. And 
It is crazy, y'all. I have tried it, just so I would know. It has the texture of scrambled eggs. It has the flavor. I mean, it's the wildest thing. The ingredients are mung bean, protein, isolate. does have canola oil and cornstarch and some other things. So it's certainly not something that you eat often. No, no, you shouldn't eat it often. But every now and then you could get that. I have used it when I was making a, uh, what is it for Thanksgiving? Oh, stuffing or dressing. I used it and it worked like a charm because normally in baking, it's really, it's actually really easy when you're baking sweets to replace eggs. But when you're doing something that's savory, like a dressing or a bread or something like that, it worked really well. As far as baking goes, you can replace the egg with a flax egg. It's like the most simple thing. It's the perfect binder. It creates this gelatinous texture. So you take one tablespoon of ground flaxseed to two and a half tablespoons of water. You mix it together, let it sit for a few minutes, and it becomes gelatinous. It's crazy. It's the perfect binder. You can also use applesauce. Bananas work work great for replacement of eggs in baking. Chia seeds can work. You can also use baking soda. Different types of starches can work. Uh, Tapioca starch or arrowroot flour. So definitely lots of options for baking, making it very easy to take eggs out of your diet and out of your dishes. Other breakfast ideas are going to be overnight oats or chia seed pudding. Of course, who doesn't like pancakes or waffles? You can obviously make those vegan and also gluten-free. There's tons of different options. I think it's just about being open and exploring new options. Uh, Obviously, you know, exploring new recipes and things like that. And your taste buds will change as I've talked about in other podcasts, it's actually not your taste buds that change, but your microbiome. And your microbiome dictates what you crave and want to eat. So eventually, if you are someone who eats eggs, you will be grossed out by them (laughs) because I know I am. It is not appetizing to me at all. And I can't imagine eating eggs now. But so that is the gist I'm going to put in the show notes a lot of links to some of these studies and also some different doctors discussing the studies and going through them. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger, Neil Barnard uh, has thoroughly investigated all of these studies and also the misuse of meta-analysis in nutrition research is a really good article discussing how nutrition studies are faulty and often supported and funded by the industries of which they are studying. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty crazy the way the world works these days. Science is bought and sold. So just keep that in mind for everything in life. It can be bought at the right price and they can come up with whatever they want it to say. So with that, I will leave you and I hope that this has been helpful As always, as podcasters often say, please be sure to like and subscribe. You could also share this podcast. As always, it helps with SEO and helps other people find the podcast. You can also sign up for my newsletter at therefinedhippie.com. 
There's also a link in my bio on Instagram that will take you directly to a newsletter sign-up page. I will be sending out my plant-based gut guide very soon. As I've said before, it's taken longer than I expected, but I just completed my yoga teacher training last weekend, so I should be having more time to finish up on that because it is really, really, really close, and I can't wait to get it out for y'all. It has a lot of really great information to help everyone, anyone who is looking to give their gut some love. We all could use some gut love, some microbiome love, and plants are the best way to do that, plant-based lifestyle. So thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, my beautiful friends, peace and plants. Peace.